true crime on A&E with groundbreaking original shows like The First 48, Cold Case Files, Accused, Guilty or Innocent, and American Justice. No one brings you closer. Groundbreaking true crime every Thursday and Friday on A&E. Wednesday, October 6th, CSI, The Global Phenomenon, opens a brand new chapter in Las Vegas. And an existential threat calls the crime lab's legacy and future into question. A brilliant new team of investigators will enlist the help of friends from the past as they deploy the latest forensic techniques to do what they do best, follow the evidence, in order to preserve and serve justice in Sin City and uncover the truth. CSI Vegas series premiere Wednesday, October 6th on CBS. Nineteen-year-old Ursula Schultz was abducted at a bus stop in broad daylight the morning of July 13, 1972, in Broussard, Quebec. The abduction occurred near the girl's home at 8442 Marie-Victorien Boulevard before 8 a.m. when a man dragged her into his car. The incident was witnessed by many people. His large hand, he just gripped the girl by the arm and yanked her towards the car, a witness said. The driver of the car was described as five foot five tall, stocky, about 35 years of age, with black hair and wearing brown clothing. Later, he was described as between 40 and 50 years of age, measuring between five foot six and five foot eight and weighing between 150 and 170 pounds. Witnesses said he waited for Schultz in the parking lot of Les Terrasse Drive-In restaurant. The car was described as dull red with a fast-back roofline possibly a Toyota or a Datsun. A witness continued with the following extremely detailed account of the abduction. It drove up slowly behind the girl who was standing with her back towards the car. The car stopped in the middle of the road. The driver got out and walked slowly around the back of the car. The girl just had time to turn her head when the guy rushed and grabbed her with his right arm. The thing I remember most about the man was his large hand. He just gripped the girl by the arm and yanked her towards the car. Opening the door with his other hand, he pushed her 
inside and jumped on her. All I could see was his rear end sticking out of the car. He must have hit her or something, because when he got up and closed the door, I couldn't see the girl. He went around the car the same way he approached the girl and drove off. He stayed on the service road as far as I know because I didn't see him take the entrance to the highway. Schultz planned to go shopping for a birthday present for her mother after she got off work at Place Darm's office on St. James Street, where she worked as a file clerk. Mrs. Schultz described Ursula as impossibly shy. Her parents forced her to take the job as a means of meeting people. Schultz was found dead against the wall behind a vacant soap factory in La Prairie by a truck driver around 4 p.m. on Friday, July 14th. She was found in the bushes near Range Saint-Claude, 15 miles from where she had been abducted. One account said Schultz had been strangled Though there were no signs she had been sexually molested, detectives said her hands and arms bore signs of a severe struggle. Another account said that Schulz had been shot through the back of the head at least twice by a small caliber weapon, and there were no signs of struggle at the scene where the body was found. Those who forget the mistakes of history are destined to repeat them. This is Who Killed Teresa. On Monday, July 17th, Gazette reporter Jim Duff reported that an arrest was pending. The naming of several suspects in the slaying came after a weekend of intensive investigation by detectives from both the Brossard and Quebec police forces. 
Yet nearly two weeks later, QPF detectives admitted they were no nearer to a solution. Despite intensive questioning of witnesses and possible suspects, police have been unable to come up with more than a general description of an automobile and the suspect. Eight months passed. On March 15, 1973, the following notice appeared in the Montreal Gazette. Quebec Police Commission Inquiry Respecting the Police Force of the Town of Broussard The Quebec Police Commission will hold a public inquiry regarding the conduct of the members of the police force of the town of Broussard relating to the proceedings, investigations, and necessary steps that were taken at the occasion of the kidnapping of Miss Ursula Schulz, July 13, 1972, in the limits of this town. The Commission will hold public hearings for this purpose at 10 a.m. on March 27, 1973, at the Social Welfare Court, 410 Belchase Street East, Room 100B, Montreal, Quebec. And thereafter, on the dates indicated, at the time of adjournments of the above hearings, if any. The public hearing followed complaints from the parents of Ursula Schulz that the Broussard police did not do everything in their power to locate their daughter. Testimony revealed the father of the murdered girl and another daughter went to the Broussard police station the afternoon of the kidnapping and were told, We'll take care of it later. It was also determined that the Quebec police force was not notified of the abduction until 19 hours after it occurred. Otto Schulz testified that he went to the office of Broussard Police Chief Marcel Renault with photos of his daughter the afternoon she disappeared. He told me to place the pictures on Blaine's desk, Assistant Director Paul Emile Blaine. He said Blaine had no time for that right now because he had more important jobs to do and that he had a tip on something. Chief Renault told him that Blaine would go to his house in about half an hour for more information on his daughter. Nobody came to the house until 11.30 p.m. that night. Ursula's sister, Angela, who accompanied her father to the police station, continued the testimony. One of the men at the station suggested that my sister might have made off with some guy. She's 19 years old and she's an adult. I told him, not my sister. I know her. Testimony continued. The duty officer at the time did not order roadblocks or inform Quebec Provincial Police, a.k.a. the Sarté du Québec, because this was not standard practice. In fact, there were no directives on what standard practice was in such a case. 
Other duty officers said they did not know that QPF headquarters was not cut in on the regional network used by municipal forces and thought somebody else had informed the QPF directly. Blaine and the officer in charge of criminal investigations spent the day investigating a report of a robbery by four prison escapees, which he told the commission he judged the more serious of the cases. Both he and Director Renault thought the QPF had been informed of the kidnapping and were investigating it. In April 1973, the commission issued its report. While praising the efforts of on-the-ground constables, the report faulted the force director, Marcel Renault, and his assistant director, Paul-Emile Blaine. Learning nothing from the incident and failing to instruct force members on how to handle major crimes, the report went on to say the offhand manner of force superiors, coupled with the ignorance of force members on procedures and how to use regional communication systems, severely hampered the investigation. Brassard Police Chief Renault called the report unfair. It's unfortunate they had to judge my department on one isolated incident. Among the recommendations the Quebec Police Commission recommended were that the police take special courses in criminal inquiries. Renault stated that it was standard practices to send his men to the police academy in Nicolette. Of the 32 policemen I have, I would say only four haven't gone to the academy yet. But they will be soon. The report called on Renault to ensure that his men put in more than minimum effort. Renault replied, What's a minimum effort for a guy who works 14 to 18 hours a day? Montreal Gazette, Tuesday, July 10th, 1973. Slain girls' parents suing police. The family of Ursula Scholz, the 19-year-old Brassard girl kidnapped and murdered last July, is suing the Brassard Police Department and the Quebec Police Force. A suit is expected tomorrow in Superior Court 
on behalf of Mr. and Mrs. Otto Schulz by lawyer Morris Chakelson. Chakelson said yesterday he is preparing the suit because the Schulzes blamed the two forces for the death. The Schulzes filed two $100,000 court suits claiming police incompetence in the kidnapping death of their daughter. Defendants in the suits were the Quebec government, the Quebec police force, the town of Brassard, and several of the municipality's policemen. Each of the Schulzes sought $50,000 for the loss of their daughter in both actions. No further stories were filed in this matter. It is presumed that the Schulzes settled with the Quebec government privately and never went further with legal proceedings. Despite a good description of Ursula Schulz's abductor and his vehicle, her murderer has never been apprehended. This has been Who Killed Teresa, and I'm your host, John Elor. There's not a great need to editorialize or for me to comment on this episode. If you've listened to the podcast, I think you know exactly the point I'm trying to make with the Ursula Schulz case. I will post uh, on the website www.teresaallor.com That's T-H-E-R-E-S-A-A-L-L-O-R-E.com The full text of today's podcast, uh, which was constructed um, through the use of the uh, archives of the Montreal Gazette newspaper. If you uh, like what you hear on the podcast, uh, please give us a five-star rating and some comments uh, at wherever you listen, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, etc. You can follow us on social media. I'm on Twitter at JusticeGuy, at J-U-S-T-U-S-G-U-Y, or at Teresa Allure, at T-H-E-R-E-S-A-A-L-L-O-R-E on Twitter. Also, there's a Facebook page, um, Teresa Allure, the podcast. You get um, the bonus through social media of getting additional information photos etc nevertheless I will there's not many photos but I will 
uh, post the photos I have, including a photo of Ursula, on the website and the notice of the Quebec Police Commission for the public inquiry as well. Also a photo of uh, Ursula's uh, parents, Mr. and Mrs. Otto Schulz. We have a, uh, a YouTube station channel. If you just go to YouTube and search on Teresa Lori, you can find it. It's all kinds of film and video archives of news reports, both in French and English, including the hour-long W5 Canadian investigative journalism program, W5 from CTV Network from, I believe, 2005, which uh, includes the original um, investigation of the Teresa Allure uh, disappearance and murder. Thanks again for listening. Um, Again, this has been uh, Who Killed Teresa? Have yourselves a great, great afternoon. Gym sessions and sweaty summer activities are back, which means more funky smells in your clothes because sweat leaves behind bacteria that causes those hard-to-remove odors. Clorox Fabric Sanitizer products are ready to zap the stink out of fabrics in your home by getting rid of 99.9% of odor-causing bacteria. Eliminate odors in every load or sanitize fabrics between washes with one of our Fabric Sanitizer products. Search Fabric Sanitizer at Clorox.com to learn more. When it counts, trust Clorox. Use as directed. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.